global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are higher, signaling the S&P 500 will recover from a decline as rising commodity prices offset a tepid start to the first quarter earnings season. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures are higher, up two points. They have trimmed their gains. Dow E-mini futures up 11. NASDAQ E-mini futures up one. And the DAX in Germany is up about two-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. They yield 1.75 percent. NYMEX crude oil up half percent or 20 cents to $40.57 a barrel. COMEX gold is up three-tenths percent or $3.90 at 12.61.90 an ounce. The euro, $1.1388. The yen, 108.36. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. We are with Anthony Crescenzi, which is important because, Mike, it's not about quoting the 10-year yield 1.75%. It's when a long-term piece is two years, and there's lots of other short-term stuff as well. Uh, Tony, you know, looking at two years, that's uh, definitely uh, the long bottom these days. Uh, when you see uh, headlines about oil, when you see headlines about uh, the economy, we're getting a lot of reaction in the currency markets. We're getting a lot of reaction in the equity markets, but we're not getting a lot of reaction in the bond markets. We've been becalmed in a range for quite some time. What's it going to take to push U.S. rates out of that range? Janet Yellen's main contention for holding off on interest rate hikes and markets seem to buy in. She says that there's a lot of slack remaining in the labor market and that the proof of this is in the low pace of wage gains and slow rates of inflation that we see. And uh, her argument is bolstered significantly recently by a substantial increase in the U.S. labor force. Uh, she said for a long time that there's some cyclical component to the decrease in the labor force. Many people after the financial crisis seem to leave it. But lately, a two million, near two million person surge in four months in the labor force. Now, in, for perspective, the average monthly gain the last three years prior to that uh, was 70,000, 70,000 per month. And here was two million people roughly entering the labor force, which is to say there are a lot of people perhaps on the sidelines that could come back in and compete for jobs and compete for wages and keep inflation down. And so when we see headlines on oil and such, we think of Janet Yellen and her contention about there being uh, significant slack still perhaps in the labor market. And until, so therefore, until uh, the labor data change, let's say the jobless rate falls more, or wage figures pick up, or inflation data, and today there were price figures on uh, imported prices. It was uh, for the first time since March 2015. That's the sort of thing we'll that might change things. I I, I just put out on Bloomberg Radio Plus, and I will use this chart on television tomorrow. Mike, the ECI all-in benefits wages statistic at 2%, and it is absolutely smack dab on the seven-year moving average. Now, seven is arbitrary. But the point is, Tony and Mike, Mike, pick this up, please. We had a wage growth we used to believe in until 08. 
is this entire debate, including Yellen's debate on Slack, about a hope and a prayer, Mike McKee, of getting back to a wage growth from another time and place. We may not. We may not. Uh, and that, I guess, is kind of the question out there, uh, Tony, is uh, what's it going to take? Uh, is there an automatic connection between Slack and uh, wages, or is it based more on the type of jobs these days? Well, uh, in reading the minutes to the Fed's March 16th meeting, you see that FOMC participants are losing confidence in their own Phillips curve analysis, which is to say that this uh, relationship uh, between growth and inflation, because they've seen such a long period of time, as Tom, you mentioned, if the ECI is at its seven-year moving average, and if today the job situation is far better than it was on average during the seven years, one would think the ECI would be a little higher, yet it's not. And so uh, there is some weakening in competence of Fed officials. What really shows it, demonstrates it most, is the Fed's own projection of its neutral rate, uh, the rate where it's neither pressing on the gas or the brakes uh, for the economy. It, four years ago, the Fed projected that that rate, and historically it's been four and a quarter, and in the latest summary of economic projections from March 16th, available on the Fed's website, uh, it shows uh, the figure at three and a quarter. So the Fed is uh, itself believes that the relationship has broken down a bit. And this is, uh, importantly, uh, even as the Fed's projecting that, and its staffers, that U.S. growth will stay above potential uh, for the next two and a half years at least, uh, which is to say grow faster than uh, its ability to grow and, and continue to drive the jobless rate down probably into the mid to low fours at some point. Uh, and so it has changed. Uh, what could change it, though, who knows? After the election, let, let's think Warren Buffett-like. Don't bet against America. There are certainly interesting uh, political you know, campaigns occurring ask, now. Is this, but, a, is this a cyclical flailing about trying to find footing or – is uh, the the idea that some have advanced of stagflation or secular stagnation set in? Well, given how the U.S. economy has reshaped itself in the last seven years, eight years, uh, and uh, reinvented itself, you could say, and uh, there's still a lot of innovation occurring in the technology sector, for example, uh, one probably shouldn't bet against America. And here we are on the cusp of an election that could be important to changing things. Both sides of the aisle seem to want, for example, a cut or a change in the corporate tax code, cut in tax rates or, or change in the code. And who knows, maybe that'll give companies incentives to invest more and raise productivity. And when, and that's the big missing ingredient in the productivity data. It, it shows it. It's, it because what uh, drives productivity is people, things, stuff, mm -hmm. uh, plants, equipment, etc., and how it all gets used. And the data show it's a lack of investment in stuff that's right. leaving productivity low. And if, if it were to increase as a result of increased confidence next year, that leaves little more income for people, and maybe we do get no. better wage figures next year. Tony, always thought-provoking. Uh, Tony Crescenzi with Thanks, PIMCO. Mike. Greatly Thanks, appreciate Mike. it. I just put that chart out on Twitter. I'll feature that tomorrow. That is the ultimate Sanders-Trump-Trump-Sanders Trump chart, where we were and where we are now on wage growth uh, taken on a logarithmic y-axis, which is what Meb Faber does, among others. It's Bloomberg's surveillance. We're counting you down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.
is Bloomberg Surveillance. I think the currency is beginning to shift its focus from nominal short-term interest rate differentials to real short-term interest rate differentials. The yen is an example of something that's been universally hated for the past four or five years. Any improvement in the outlook would give rise to a stronger funds rate path. Any firming of confidence in inflation getting to 2% would do the same. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Key. We welcome all of you worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 1130 New York, 99.1 FM in Washington, 960 the Bay Area, San Francisco. And a good, good morning to all of you. Sirius and XM Channel uh, 119 worldwide, nationwide, I should say, and across Canada as well. We need to look at foreign exchange, a big shift there from yen to euro-specific. The Forex Brief brought to you, as always, by... Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex, IBKR.com slash, slash, I say, good guitar player, slash Forex as well. Let's look at foreign exchange. Euro, I said, a 114 and elevated. We've pulled back 113.83. The yen, 108.44. Mike, you're raising your hand over there. Yes, we have the IMF WIO out. The WIO. World Economic Outlook, and the outlook ain't so great. Uh, They're cutting their forecast for 2016 global growth to 3.2% from 3.4%. Look at Brazil. Uh, They're they're lowering numbers for... um, Many countries around the world, Brazil, shrinking. That's a contraction number of 3.8 percent, more than the uh, contraction of 3.5 percent that they had forecast. Uh, IMF, you were talking about the uh, the essays that come along with it. They they're writing about Brexit. Yes, could create severe regional and global damage. They also say a fragile world economy needs. Monetary stimulus. So keep going, central banks. Is yeah, regards. And the Japan headline as well. uh, Again, talking about specific national policy. Japan to slide into contraction next year on consumption tax. So the IMF opining on tax policy as well. One thing that's percolating. I saw Barclays report with great caution, Michael McKee on Greece. That reminded me of our uh, Melkutsis interview. In Greece yes. the other day. Well, Greece uh, coming back into the news as we get closer to the summer. By the way, the IMF, U.S. forecast 2.4% growth. Mm-hmm. That's two-tenths lower than they had right. seen in January. He has a list, IMF level. It's our world stock report right now from the blue book of David Wilson. What do you got? Well, you got to start with Alcoa. I mean, uh, first, first company, one out. Yeah. First one out and not well received. Alcoa shares down about 3.5%. The aluminum maker's first quarter revenue trailed the average analyst estimate in the Bloomberg survey that will uh, adjusted earnings beat projections. Now, COA cut this year's sales estimate for its auto and aircraft parts business, which will become a standalone company called Arconic. So that's IMFE. Arconic? Arconic. That sounds like two MBAs made that up. You know, well, they announced the name MBA. last month. You can go find out where they came up with Next. it. Next. Mondelez. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, some analyst calls of notes. Starbucks is down 2.5%. The largest coffee shop chain was cut to hold from by Deutsche Bank. The firm cited Starbucks valuation and challenging sales comparisons. 
L Brands down 2.5%. The retailer was reduced to neutral from buy at Goldman Sachs and taken off a list of the firm's top picks. Goldman uh, also, uh, on the other hand, uh, raised its rating on the glass product maker Corning to buy from neutral, and Corning shares are up 2%. Uh, back to earnings. Juniper Networks down 6.5%. Preliminary first quarter results showed the networking equipment makers' earnings and sales failed to meet estimates. And it isn't just Juniper that's lower. You're seeing uh, Cisco Systems, uh, one of their rivals, down about 1.5%. Horizon Pharma down 19%. The drug maker sales estimate for the first quarter indicated that revenue will be lower than projections. And Fastenal is down 3.5%. The industrial distributor's first quarter earnings and revenue came up short of estimates. Fastenal's daily sales were unchanged in March after rising 2.6% in February. You're that excited, Tom. No, I can fa- tell. That's, a, that's like FedEx. To me, Fastenal is a bellwether. A bellwether, I say. For a big of, piece of, of the industrial, economy. yeah. No question. I uh, make jokes about it, but it is. Right, yeah. and they're the only company in the S&P 500 that has reported earnings so far today. So uh, we'll have a, another set of results later you on. I love their stock symbol. Fast. I want to go long fast. <laughs> right. CSX, by the way, will be out after the close of training. couple more for you. Tiffany up 2%. The luxury jewelry retailer agreed to expand its online business by selling some items through the website Net-A-Porter. And Marathon Is that Lines. how you pronounce that? Well, it's French, after all. Very good. Pret-a-Porte, Net-a-Porte. You get it? Anyway, Marathon Oil up 2.5%. The energy producer selling assets, mostly in Wyoming, for a total of $950 million. They're raising cash in response to lower oil and gas prices. Fast to know. Winona, Minnesota. You just got me, you know, obviously when you say you want to go long fast, it just triggered in my mind. I just looked up. Uh, who has the ticker symbol long? You want to go long, long. You're buying a travel service company in the People's Republic of China. It's an okay. ADR in the U.S. <laughs> you wonder how often uh, that happens. Winona County, Minnesota, in the southeasternly corner, uh, on the bluffs above the Mississippi. <laughs> well, you, you just, get... Uh, I must confess, I haven't been to Minnesota. I'll have to get there one of these days. Hey, Winona's, you know, that's a different part of you Minnesota. You get long fast and I'll get long, long. Very good. It's like Abbott and Costello, which means we need to bring in Anthony Crescenzi of PIMCO for a serious conversation on uh, liquidity and where we are right now. Uh, Tony, to start things off, if we get the terminal value that so many are talking about, your Scott Mather and uh, uh, Michael Faroli at J.P. Morgan, then if we get a terminal value sub 2%, what's a two-year yield supposed to be? When do you expect that? Two percent to be reached, Tom. I don't that's know. Part of the, that's part. I of agree. And it also depends on whether market participants, when it gets to two, are thinking it might get to three. So it really depends on speed at which we move toward two, and, and whether markets think there's more. Uh, if the markets think the Fed's done and there's a rate cut coming when that time comes, the rate could be lower than two. So it really depends, but it will move up. Uh, it probably. Historically, you could, would say uh, in a rate hike cycle, the two-year would trade about 100 basis points over the funds rate in anticipation of more, and even as high as 200 over, but those days are gone. So it probably would stay as it is now above the funds rate as it's moving up, uh, and just how much depends on how much the markets expect they'll be from that point. Well, what do markets expect at this point, and how how much – Credibility, I don't know, credibility, uh, how much weight should we put on what markets expect now? Because they seem to change their view every time a Fed official 
uh, opens their mouth or uh, an inflation report comes out? Well, markets aren't expecting very much. Uh, about one quarter point rate hike per year the rest of this decade. That's very little. And sure, markets have changed their minds, but hasn't the Fed? I uh, think last year it guided market participants into thinking that there could be as many as four rate hikes. Remember, in the quarterly summary of economic projections that the Fed produces, uh, the median of uh, projections of, of FOMC participants, the 17 that attended the Fed's FOMC meetings, uh, had said there would be four. Yeah. And then, and then uh, <clears throat> Janet Yellen in her presser uh, last year seemed to suggest that uh, yeah. uh, perhaps that would be possible. Now, now the Fed's guiding toward two. And so markets, uh, while uh, seeming fickle, uh, it's in part because right. the communications from the Fed have been changed a bit. Tony, the 17 people in Washington have read the 1,200 pages of Stigham's Money Market, <laughs> which you did a lot to bring forward, Marcia Stigham and Anthony Cosenzi. This is the Bible, folks, on Money Market. So you're qualified for this question. The doorstopper. What, yes. It is the doorstopper. What's the risk-free rate? What is the risk-free rate? Uh, it depends on the entity and his or her, its uh, desire to protect money, to guard money, to uh, preserve Do you know principle. what that rate is if Scott Mather walks in right now and says, hey, wise guy, what's the rate? I can't get a straight <laughs> why, answer out of Why would he call anybody? Tony a, from Staten Island, New York, a wise guy? I well, that, that would be true. But, <laughs> but, 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 but no seriously, idea. nobody uh, has a clue what the risk-free rate is, right? It's become difficult to, to judge, but uh, think think in part this way. Think of a normal, everyday, ordinary human beings, the, the aging populations of the developed world. We know the United States baby boomers, those born between 1946 and 64, began turning 65 in 2011. They'll continue until 2029, and the throng of 65-plus-year-olds uh, will grow from 45 million today to about 72 million. Think of those individuals and what's risk-free to them? Uh, as we get older, we have a desire to be higher in the capital structure, is the fancy way of saying it, which is another way of saying we want less and less risk. We don't want to uh, take risk in the equities markets, perhaps, in high-risk credit or commodities markets or even mm -hmm. real estate. We move higher and we move into bonds. Uh, well, and so that's so risk-free uh, to just depends on the... the the objective sometimes okay. of the... Uh, Let's come back. I mean, with Tony Cosenzi with us, lots to talk about in the two-year. You had futures pull back up two right now. Dow futures up a quiet 10 points this morning. Time to check in now with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Barack Obama, House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi, and other Democrats are speaking at a women's equality event today in Washington. It comes on Equal Pay Day. This year, April 12th, is considered the day it takes most women to earn what the average man in the same job did last year. Seven out of ten married women view Donald Trump in a negative light. That's according to a Bloomberg poll. It shows about 58% of married women have an unfavorable view of Hillary Clinton. Brazil's president is another step closer to impeachment. A congressional committee voted to approve the impeachment process against Dilma Rousseff. The full lower house could vote on an impeachment as early as Sunday. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Again, the IMF out with their uh, spring meeting. Look for Maurice Obsfeld and their team. 
Global stagnation is the phrase of the moment. We're with Tony Crescenzi of PIMCO, Bloomberg Surveillance. Stay with us. Market Drivers brought to you by Benzel Bush Motor Car in Englewood, New Jersey, offering a commitment to service, luxury, and value with total transparency from America's premier automotive dealership. To find the way you drive at BenzelBush.com. 